today because today's message is very sensitive. Um, it may trigger some emotions that you may have experienced in the past. And, and so my intention is not to open up the wounds that you're facing. My hope is that you would receive healing today. And so I just want to um, give some warning because um, it may trigger some emotions in you. When I read this story as a teenager, I can remember, I was saying to myself, man, why is this story in the Bible? Why didn't the author, like, camouflage it or gave it a happy ending, like, you know, um, the many stories we heard about in the Bible? But as we learned that the Bible is a book of truth, the Bible is a book that speaks about the different realities that we face every day. And so when I heard about this story, I'm, I realized, and some of you realize that you are not alone. You are not alone. There are many people who have faced the similar situations that you have had. And the first, there's two things when we face such situations, we ask ourselves, man, how can God allow this? And if God allowed this, he must be a cruel God. Or we, we may say to ourselves, God is absent and he's not real. But my hope today from this message is that you will realize that God is present, he is available, and he wants to provide healing for you today, amen? And he wants to encourage you. Every 98 seconds, a woman is sexually assaulted, which is horrendous. This is, um, this is like a terror for a woman. And how can she experience such pain and hurt? And some, some of you here today may have experienced the same situation. Um, another statistic is that four out of five black women are sexually assaulted. And so there may be some here in this room today. And I pray that God will provide you healing because you've been carrying this hurt for many years. And nobody knows about this secret. You've been experiencing pain, but I want you to let you know today that a lot of people carry secrets. But God is about to provide healing for you today. Amen. And so one of the things I've noticed is that on social media and on the internet and on CNN and on um, Fox News is that there's this uprising. There's this movement against this type of um, environment where women don't feel safe. And this movement is known as the Me Too campaign, hashtag Me Too campaign. And so today's message, there, there may not be a, a lot of hallelujahs or, 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 or um, applause, because I know, because it's a very sensitive topic. And so I believe God is going to provide healing for you today. And so what this movement is about is about giving a voice to the victims, allowing the victims to share their stories so that other people can relate to say, yes, I've been there, I've done that. But no longer will I hide behind my shame. I will come out and I will voice, I will give a voice to what happened to me to let my sisters know that I'm here with you and we're going to unite together in solidarity against this type of culture. 
And we, as a church, we need to speak about it. We need to talk about it because it's very important. It, the church is not absent. Um, the church, it happens in the church as well. It happens in our political environment. As you can see, um, we have political leaders who are um, accused of molesting and um, attacking women. We have people in our schools. Last week, I, I read a story about a teacher, 59 years old, um, sending a love letter, quote-unquote love letter to a teenager who's 15 years old, saying, your body is curvy, your lips is juicy, and um, I want to be with you. 59-year-old guy. What a, it's unspeakable to the situation that is going on today. And so as a church, we need to address it. We need to speak against it. We need to expose it. We need to fight against it in Jesus' name. And so um, this message is broken down into three parts. Part number one is a biblical identity. Um, what happened to Tamar? Um, is she a biblical woman? Just throughout this whole week, we've, we've learned that a biblical woman is someone who put her trust in the Lord. How can Tamar trust God with this situation that just happened to her? And, and where does she find her identity? What are people saying about her? And this is a question that we want to answer with the first one, a biblical identity, a biblical culture. As we learn our, our environment, our culture shapes who we are. And the third point is a biblical role. In this part, we want to talk about what is Jesus' role in, in this story. As far as the Me Too campaign, this campaign was started by a black woman named Tawana Burke. And she noticed that a lot of women were sexually harassed or, or oppressed, and she wanted to provide them a resource. And she created this hashtag, Me Too. And then eventually, there was this actress named uh, Alyssa Milano. She basically popularized this hashtag MeToo, where she encouraged women on Twitter, on Facebook, to share their stories, because their stories needs to be heard. Women needs to be encouraged. Women need to know that Jesus loves you, and he cares for you, and that you are worthy. And so my hope for this message today is that it will encourage every man and every woman, because um, men's are, um, there are men, too, who are molested. But my hope is that this message will touch everyone, especially the girl who feels like it's her fault, or the girl who, who thinks that all men's are dogs because of the terrible action of just one man, or, or for that girl who thinks um, she's not worthy or she deserves it because she provoked the guy. Or, or for that girl who feels like she can't marry that good guy because she is unworthy. This message is for you. And if you are here today, I want to let you know that God loves you and he cares for you. And there is hope, and he, there is hope for you. And God still has use for you. And I hope you will see that today. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being a merciful God. 
It's not by accident that, that the people who are here today need to hear this message. And I pray, oh, Father God, that they will find hope in you, Father God, and that the issues that they've been wrestling with, the issues that um, keeps them up at night, the flashbacks that they've been having, oh, God, I pray that you will encourage them, help them. I pray for that woman who, who never knew that sexual assault was wrong. Dear God, encourage them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first point is a biblical identity. And when I think about identity, I think about Jesus when he said to his disciples, who do people say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the rock. And Jesus says, that is true. And so the questions today we want to answer is, who is Tamar? Who is she? How do people see her? What's their opinion about her? What's their, what are their views? First point I realized from reading the text from verse number one, we can see that she is a daughter of a king. She, is, she has access to wealth. Whatever she wants is at her disposal. And she probably don't have to, um, she, in her life, she probably won't experience any lack because all the things that she needs, she has. Another thing that I, I realize is from the text, it specifically said that Tamar was beautiful. And because she was beautiful, her half-brother Amnon fell in love with her. And when I read this text, I, it gave, um, there may be a false um, idea that only attractive women are, sex, uh, are molested or are sexually assaulted. That's not the case. All women have been assaulted. No matter how rich you are or how poor you are, whatever your background is. And so I don't want to give this impression that only attractive women are sexually assaulted. That, that is not the case. And from reading the text, we realize that not only was she beautiful, but she was a virgin. And because she was a virgin, she had to wear this robe. This robe was a special robe, and this robe is, is, was special because it showed her elevated status. This is the robe that all the um, king's daughter, who was a virgin, would wear. And I could imagine she was wearing this robe with pride. She was wearing this robe saying, one day I'm going to meet my man of God. And it was part of her identity to her. Another thing we also learned from the text is that Tamar was submissive in a sense where her father told her, go to your brother Amnon and take care of him because he's sick. But the father didn't realize that he was putting her in his harm way, which is crazy. And so we see from the text that she is submissive, she is uh, obedient, so the, uh, she listened to her father. Not only that, we realize that she is a woman of integrity because as soon as Amnon said, hey, come lay down with me, she says, no, no. And the reason why she said this, this thing is not acceptable in this environment. This is not part of who we are as a people of God. And so from that text, 
we realize she is a woman of integrity, a woman of virtue, a woman who wants to follow the laws of God. But instead, her brother violates her. Why? Because her brother sees her as an object, like a lot of these abusers out there in the world today. They see these women as objects, as sex objects, which is not the case. You are beautiful. You are a woman of God. You are loved. And there is hope for you. But Amnon didn't see that. And when she said no to him, that no should have meant no. But instead, he forced himself on her. Like how many times does a woman have to say no? One should be enough. One no, she don't have to say no. Uh, she don't have to say, oh, um, you didn't say a lot enough. No means no. And they, they, in essence, you can say no is a complete sentence in this case. No's mean no, but he refused. He didn't listen to her because if he had listened to her, it would have showed that he had repented. It would have showed how wicked his heart was, but instead he didn't. Another thing, after this happened, we realized that Tamar is full with anguish, hurt, pain, and she does three things. One of the things she does, as we can see in the slide, is she applies ashes on her head. Applying ashes is a symbol of lowliness. Figuratively, ashes signify that which is without value or what is loathsome. And so in this case, she is saying she is nothing. Mm. Have you ever had an object and you um, uh, cause it to blow up and ex explode, and then the only thing that remains are the dust and the ashes and the, and the smoke? And so basically, in essence, you are saying that thing, that object, is destroyed. And so Tamar applying ashes to her head, she is saying now, I am destroyed. I am nothing. And not only does she apply ashes to her head, she tears her robe, her robe, her colorful robe. That is to signify the pain, the anguish that she is experiencing in her heart. The tearing of her clothes, often articulated biblically as sackcloth or ashes, is an act of grievous affliction, revealing the sorrows of the heart, and is an expression of loss and lament. Tamar had her dig dignity torn from her, and the invasion is now expressed with physical gesture. So in essence, Tamar invaded her. He took something away from her. And now her heart is bankrupt of love. The only thing she has is hopelessness and abandonment. Nobody is there for her. And so the last thing she does is she runs out the room, put her hand on her head, and she cries out. Not only she cries out for help, but her crying out is a way to express the pain in her heart. When I read this story about Tamar, immediately I sympathize with her. And I sympathize maybe with some of you who have experienced the same pain. And I want you to know that God is not absent. 
And it's not God's fault. But this world is sinful. This, it's, it's because of the sins of this world that these things happen. And believe me, saints of God, I want you to know that God is angered. He is grieved when his daughters, his woman of God, his biblical woman, are grieved. And I want you to know that today. And so the question is, who is Tamar? Is she is this beautiful woman that people see her as? Is she a daughter of a king? Is that her identity? Is she a submissive woman? Oh, how other people see her? Is she a sex object like her brother sees her? No. Instead, she is a daughter of a king. She is a biblical woman who trusts in the Lord. A biblical woman, she is a woman who was created in God's image. She is a woman who is loved. And it dawned on me this week why Satan, why the devil used rape as a tool to destroy women. Well, this is what I learned. The devil and his kingdom hates God and hate his image. He seeks the destruction of the voice of the personhood and of the will. He seeks the annihilation and displacement of beauty and love. Here what's going on. The devil is using rape to silence the woman, to destroy the woman, because the devil hates God, and he hates anything that looks like God. And so the woman is a representation of who God is. So the devil understands that if he causes you to get raped, you will go into hiding. You will be filled with shame. And if you are filled with shame and go into hiding, you will be silenced. And if you are silenced, you will go and, 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 and hide. And, and ultimately, you won't speak up. And if you don't speak up, you won't share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is his aim. His aim is to silence the voice of the biblical woman so that she may not share her faith. But woman of God, I want to encourage you today to share your faith to share your faith because there are other women out there that needs to know that you've been through the same situation. They need help. They need someone who can pull them out of that situation. And today I want to encourage you to not define your identity and your beauty, to not define your identity and, and your work. Because like tomorrow she worked, she was submissive. You know, she did good work. She was obedient. That's not where your identity comes from. But instead, your identity comes from the Lord, God. He is your, he, that's where your identity comes from. And you, if your identity comes from the Lord, no one, nothing can take that away from you. Amen. And so the ultimate mark of a womanhood is to trust in God. I love this quote. Pastor Rodney read it. Um, two weeks ago. It is not giving birth. It is not finding a loving husband, though these things are beautiful and God-glorifying. They are just not where we root our identity. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, whatever you're struggling with, know that you are a daughter of a king who loves you. 
who cares about you. And each day is available for you. Amen. And so we move on to our next point, biblical culture. And when we think about biblical culture, some of the things we think about is uh, the customary beliefs and social norms and forms and racial, uh, the, the customary beliefs, social norms and forms of a racial or religious or social groups. Um, when I think about culture, I think about the culture I grew up in, the Haitian culture. Um, they had some crazy um, idea. One of the uh, ideas was um, you can't have friends. I, I never knew, understood that. And so when my friends come over to the house and they'll knock on the door, and I'll say, hey, mom, um, my friend is outside. Friend? Who is this friend? You don't need any friends. So for all the um, Haitians out there, who, you probably would understand what I'm talking about. And um, another thing as part of the, our culture was that um, you, only, you only had three choices for a career. You had to be a nurse, a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer, nothing else. And it, you would never dare to come home to tell your mom you want to be a teacher or a social worker because there was no money in it. All they thought about, would this make money? <laughs> and another thing is uh, part of our culture was, um, I love my culture, so I, I'm not I like, like coming down on that. I just want to show um, some of the things that uh, we had to deal with as kids. One of the things was if you were sick, they didn't care. They didn't care if you were sick or if there was a hurricane. If school was open, you was going to school. Like, mom, there's a hurricane coming. Is the school open? Yeah, but they're telling us to get prepared and go to school. The reason was is because um, they didn't want to take time off from work because they didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have vacation accruals or sick accruals. And if they had to call off from work, they would, they would lose a paycheck. And so that was the thing. Uh, another thing was, um, especially for girls, I, I felt sorry for the girls. Um, you couldn't have a boyfriend until you graduated from school I got your own house and um, was 25 years old. And I told myself, man, I, I don't want to be like my parents. I want to be different. And so, of course, my kids can have friends. And, uh, but one day, my daughter came home from school, and she got a letter, uh, an invitation to a birthday party. And this, the, the, um, the invitation said, hey, we're going to have a birthday party, and um, afterwards, we're going to have a sleepover. Sleepover? I was like, and I said to myself, Haitians don't do that. And I was there like, man, I'm thinking like my parents. And I was like, the parents don't even know me. And so, but uh, that, that was part of the culture. But as far as the biblical culture, God is calling us to transform it. Not to be of this culture, not to be of this world, but to be a light. To not to allow the culture to influence us, for us to influence the culture, for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. One thing about this culture is everything is relative. So there's no um, absolute truth. And so one day, if you're feeling this way, it's okay. And another day, if you're feeling this way, it's okay. And so there is no, no, no source to tell you what, what is right and what is wrong. And the culture that Tamar was in, it believed that Rape was wrong. And 
Tamar understood this. And at the heart of a mature femininity, femininity is a freeing disposition to affirm, receive, and nurture strength and leadership from worthy, worthy men in a way appropriate to a woman's various relationship. So it's important that a woman affirms, receive, and nurture strength and leadership from worthy men. But in Tamar's situation, how can she affirm these men? How can she affirm her brother? How can she affirm her father, King David? King David heard about the story. He was angered, angry for a moment, but he refused to do anything. And, and so how can she affirm her father? King David's action was inexcusable. He remained silent. And that is what we are experiencing today in this culture, where a lot of people are remaining silent to what is going on to our women, to our, our young men who are being victimized. And we see this very same act in 2 Samuel 13, verses 5. Here we read, this is the friend of Amnon. He said, go to bed and pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so that I may watch her and then eat from it. See, in this text, you can say the friend doesn't um, explicitly say, hey, rape the girl. But he's complicit in the story because he shared the same wicked heart as his friend, or you can say his cousin, because I don't know if that was a sign, but anyway, but he shared the same, same wickedness in the sense that he doesn't rebuke his friends and say, hey, what you're experiencing is not love, it's lust, masquerade in love. But instead, he stands as a bystander. And he doesn't challenge his friend who is filled with lust. Lust, which is an ancient universal feeling which is sinful. Jesus calls it out. He said, if you even look at a woman inappropriately, it's a sin. And so this guy, he doesn't call it out. A lot of men today don't call out the actions of their friends. And we need to stop standing by as bystanders, but instead we need to call it out. Because there's this culture going on um, where people term it a rape culture, a culture where boys are boys and men are men. Boys take like this man, boy Amnon took from his sister. I, I know he's a man, but I call him a boy because boy take. Godly men give. Boys want things right then and now. Godly men say, I will wait until I marry you. Boys don't think about their action. Men think long term. And so Amnon, to, and to me, he's a boy. He, he is part of this rape culture. And what is this rape culture? I don't know if you guys heard of it recently. Um, they've been talking about this. Rape culture is um, this 
behaviors, attitudes, myths that uh, normalize abuse against women, where people are not calling it out. We need to call it out where um, harassment, oppression, sexual assault is okay, but it's not okay. And part of this rape culture is, is that oftentimes they want to blame the victim, saying it was the victim's fault. And this type of behavior is known as victim blaming. But in the case of Tamar, how did she provoke him? She was wearing a robe. What is provocative about a robe? What is sexy about a robe? Nothing. It was just this, the, the lust in his heart. Not only that, oftentimes um, in this rape culture, they say, oh, it was the woman's fault because she didn't say no. That's not the case in Tamar. She says no. And in her last attempt of saying no, she said, okay, if you want to be with me, let, let our father know. But a woman don't have to say no more than one time. She could just say no, and no is no. And the situation in this rape culture is that oftentimes the rapist is not held accountable. In this case, Amnon, David didn't send his brother to jail, not his son to jail. He doesn't hold him accountable. He, he remains silent. The only person that went to jail, figuratively, you could say is Tamar. She's lost in the prison of hopelessness and shame. And she needs a way out. And so one of the things we learn about this rape culture is, you can see it on this slide, rapists do so with an arrogant but all too often accurate assumption that they will never face a day of reckoning. The reason why they do this is because they realize, man, I won't be held accountable. But the church needs to stand up against this. Our, our, you guys need to stand up against this. We need to say enough is enough. They should be held accountable. We should stop this. And some of us may say, well, I'm not part of this rape culture. I, 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 if, there's, if a woman was getting raped, I would go there to rescue her. I, I wouldn't allow this to happen if it was in front of me. But I ask you this question um, are you watching porn? If so, then you support this rape culture. Or the women, do you go around calling each other bees, like to say hello? If so, then you, you're part of this rape culture. Or, or women, are you, are you reading these novels where, like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, where the man is like whipping the woman? And you, you, you love watching and you go to the movie theater to support these type of movies. If so, you're part of the rape culture. You need to ask God to forgive you. And you, some of you may say, man, um, Sam, uh, you're taking this to the extreme. And really, uh, we're not part of the rape culture. Um, I, I won't allow such thing to happen. There was this um, woman, who uh, this artist, and um, she did an exhibit known as Rhythm Zero. And Rhythm Zero is where she was at, at this museum, and she was the exhibit. 
And for six hours, she said she will remain silent and she won't do anything. And anybody in the public can do anything to her. And so there was these artists, uh, um, these photographers who were taking pictures and she stood still and sat for six hours. And so for the first few hours, the audience didn't do anything. They just looked at her. And then um, one of the things she did before that, she put a table out and she had 72 objects. And she had a flour, um, soda, um, uh, whatever, powder, um, sticks, um, whatever she had on the table. And she said, you can use anything on, on her. And so for the first few hours, nobody did anything. And the audience got bored. And so eventually, uh, somebody came in and, and gave her a flower while, while the photographers were taking pictures. And then somebody eventually came in and kissed her. And some, another person put makeup on her, was dressing her up. Then eventually, later on, we see there's these men who came in and took her shirt off, took her clothes off, and groped her and sexually assaulted her. And she didn't do anything because that was part of the exhibit. And what she, what she learned from that experience is that given the opportunity when nobody's going to see you, when lust gets in your heart and you don't have control over it, more than likely you're going to do it. If there's no accountability, you're going to do it. And so what we need to do as believers, we need to have a transformed heart. We need to transform this culture. We need to tell the people that we are lost and we need Jesus. We are, we are lost. Good people do bad things too. Good people are ignorant about the culture that we're living in. And as a church, we need to make people aware about what is going on. We need to let them know that enough is enough. Enough is enough. Over 70 million females have been raped. 13% of females who have been raped will attempt suicide. Females in college are three times more likely to be raped. Seven out of 10 rapes happen with someone who we know. And when I think about this text, when I think about Tamar's story, I think about Psalm 13. I can see this is a psalm that her father wrote when he was in his anguish and pain. But you can flip it around and it applies to Tamar in Psalm 13, verses 1 to 2. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? having sorrow in my heart day after day. How long will my enemies exalt himself and triumph over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. Consider and answer me, O Lord. Give light to my eyes. I will not sleep the sleep of death. Oh, this is just continue on. And so we see Tamar. She's in a state of 
she can't rest. The scripture says she even went away as a desolate woman in pain and in anguish. And so the text that caught my attention from this whole sermon was, she says to her brother, where can I get rid of my disgrace? Other text says, where can I bring my shame? And this brings me to my third point, a biblical role. When I read this text, this, uh, this passage, and I was like, man, what good news can I get from this story? This is an awful story. This is graphic. And it was hard for me to find the good news in this story. But many centuries later, in Isaiah 61, verses 10, verses 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captive and freedom for the prisoner. So here, I want to let you know that Jesus is your hope. What this story does, this story drives us to Jesus. Because if there was no Jesus, there was no hope for tomorrow. If there was no Jesus, there was no hope for us. So at first, it appears when Tamar asks this question, where can I bring my shame? It, it seems that it, it is left unanswered, but it's not. It is answered many centuries later. You can say, oh, Tamar got justice because eventually in the next chapter, Absalom got killed by the other brother. Um, Amnon got killed by Absalom. But she loses her brother. She gets justice for against what happened to her, but inside of her, there is still pain. And so what this story is, does, it drives me to Jesus to know, you, you know in history, this story is telling me that her father, King David, is not the answer. Only Jesus is the answer. Only Jesus can save. Only he can provide hope. Only he can give you this unspeakable joy after such horrific situation. And Jesus wants us to know he wants to surround his children and he wants them to know that I am here. I can provide you hope. I can provide you redemption. Oftentimes we hear that David was a great man of God, but in this case, David fell short. And so we can't, tomorrow can't put hope in her father. The only hope she can put in is her real father, our heavenly father, which is God through King Jesus. So David, salvation is not found in David. Salvation is found in Jesus. And so today, I want you to know you can bring your shame somewhere. Bring your shame to Jesus. As we heard the song earlier, it says, come to the altar. That's where you can bring your shame. That's where you can bring your hopelessness. And the text continue on. Not only does God, does Jesus wants to change the robe of Tamar, which he ripped up, but Jesus wants to give Tamar 
a different type of robe. And this robe we find in Isaiah 61.10. It reads, this is Isaiah saying, or the author saying, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoice in my God, for he has clothed me with garment of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adored his, as a bridegroom adorned his head like a priest, and as a bride adorned herself with her, with her jewels. And so today I want to let you know that Jesus wants to replace that robe that you had earlier, that robe of shame, that robe of hurt, guilt, that robe of oppression, harassment, that robe where you felt like you was nothing. And he wants to give you a different type of robe. And this robe is called this robe of righteousness, meaning that you are worthy and your identity is not based on what happened to you in the past, but your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And despite what this culture may say about you, you are worthy and your identity is found in him. And I love how the author says in Isaiah 61, it says, I rejoice, I delight in the Lord. Meaning, in Tamar's situation, her, her delight was not in her robe. Her delight was not in the fact that she was a virgin, which is good. Her delight was not in the fact that she, she was a woman of in, uh, integrity. But her delight was, her delight should be in the Lord. And so, woman of God, I want to encourage you. Put your delight, your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and, and some of you uh, want to support woman who has been hurt. And I want to give application on how to support men and women who have been molested. For the woman who has been molested, I want to encourage you, tell somebody. Tell someone, you can't fight this battle by yourself. You can't carry, carry this weight by yourself. Tell someone. Also, if you are currently being molested or sexually assaulted, get law enforcement involved. As a matter of fact, let us know. Let the church leadership know. You can also email us and let us know. We will keep your information confidential, and we will fight for you. Because we, we've experienced this in the past. And so we understand. Also, for the audience, I want you to support these women who've been abused. Because when a woman speaks out, it takes a lot of bravery and courage for her to speak out. And oftentimes when she does speak out, the abuser tries to uh, uh, make her feel less than. And it's even more risky or more costly for the woman to speak up after the fact. And so oftentimes these women remain, or even men, remain silent. But I want to encourage you, don't remain silent anymore. And most importantly, if you've been abused, I want to encourage you to seek counseling. Um, if you can't afford counseling, the church is here to support you, and we want to help you. And I want to encourage you to support this hashtag me movement. If you notice that someone is being hurt, speak up. Fight for these women. I want to let you know that Jesus understands your pain. Jesus understands your hurt. But you, you, you may be saying, Sam, Jesus wasn't abused. He was. If Jesus was here today and, and, 
and he had to say, um, and you had to tell him, hey, this is what happened to me. Imagine Jesus saying, me too. You, you, you may have said, said you were abused. Jesus said, me too. We can find it in the verse where it says, some began to spit on him and to cover his face and strike him, saying, saying to him, prophesy. And the guard received him with a blow. So Jesus too was abused. You may say to yourself, Sam, I was cornered. There was no way I can get out. Jesus says, me too. So Judas consented and sought an opportunity to betray him in, front of the, in the absence of the crowd. You may say to yourself, Sam, I was abandoned. Today, Jesus is saying, me too. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophet might be fulfilled then all the disciples left him and fled. Matthew 26, 56. You may say to yourself, well, you were betrayed by someone you trusted. Jesus is saying, me too. In scriptures it says, but behold, the hands of him who betrayed him is with him at the table. You may say to yourself, well, Sam, I was exposed. They left me naked. Jesus says, me too. In Matthew 27, 28, and they strip him and put a scarlet robe on him. You may say to yourself, Sam, um, they treated me with hate. Jesus is saying, me too. Scripture says, and he was despised and rejected by man, and a man of sorrow and was acquainted with grief. As one who hide from their face, he was despised, and we esteem him not, Isaiah 53. You may say, Sam, I was hurt because someone else sinned. Jesus is saying, me too. Because he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him, he was abused for us. You may say, Sam, I was oppressed. Jesus too. Jesus saying, it says in the verse, Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. You may say, I was wrongly accused by my abuser. Jesus is saying, me too. Isaiah 53, verses 9, it says, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was deceit in their mouth. You may say, Sam, they lied upon me, and rumors were spread against me, especially about Tamar. Jesus is saying, me too. Now the chief priests and the whole councils were seeking false testimony against Jesus. Matthew 26, verses 59. You were mocked. Jesus is saying, me too. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him, and they beat him. They hid him. Today, Jesus wants to let you know, I've been there. I understand your pain. I can relate to you. Come to me. Come find your identity in me. It is not in this culture. It is not in anything else. Your biblical womanhood is found in me. Trust in me. I can provide you hope. Jesus is the greatest champion of womanhood. 
Jesus is the answer. And so today, if you ever felt like he was absent, I want to let you know he, he hasn't been absent. He is available. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your love, your, your joy, your peace. We thank you about, Father God, that you allowed me to speak about this sensitive topic. A lot of women have been carrying this weight for a long time, and they need your healing, Jesus. Father, heal their broken heart. Embrace them. Wrap them in your love, Jesus. Let them know, Father God, that you love them and that they are your daughters, O oh God. Father, allow them to seek counseling. Allow them to speak to leadership that will go out to help them, O oh Father God. Father God, we pray that you will protect men and women, boys and girls, the elderly in their, in their environment, in their workplace, at home at school, Jesus. Help them to know that their identity is found in you, O oh God. Help them to know that despite what happened to them in the past, that they are still biblical women. They are still um, love. That there, there is still a robe for them, a robe of righteousness, a robe where um, you will impute upon them, where the, where the world says, they are unworthy, but you said they are not. And so I ask you, Jesus, you will touch them today. Give them hope. Let them not be filled with shame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you, if, if, if you've ever been attacked or are being attacked, please speak to leadership, and we are here to help you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. After this, right now, we're going to have a video Played up.